0: everybody and welcome to another episode of the ruby rogues podcast this is episode 400
1: 400 woo!
0: yeah so uh we're gonna do things a little bit different today we, we tend to do this on the 50s so we'll you know we get one every year give or take so yeah we'll see how this all goes but uh, today on our panel we have dave kimura Hey everyone uh, andrew mason hey everybody eric barry plus one howdy ho and i got my daughter here Ah, kids. Fun, fun, fun. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. So this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Yeah, anyway, we're going to do things a little different today. Um, I thought we could just start out by, typically we're talking about technology or technical topics or, you know, we talked about productivity, we've talked about a bunch of other things. We don't really talk about ourselves. And so I thought we'd just start out and let everybody know, hey, where we're at, what we're doing, what we're working on, and, and kind of, you know, personalize things a little bit and let people know, you know, who we are. So I'm going to push Eric first. Eric, do you want to talk a little bit about who you are, where you're at, what you're doing? Sure, if you don't mind my uh, my two year old
2: talking off and on throughout this. So I work out of my basement, and um, every now and then I get a little visitor if I don't lock the door. So, but they're nice. Uh, my name is Eric Berry. I have been a developer since '98, uh, I believe, and uh, I started off in um, I started off just doing HTML uh, HTML websites like way back in '98. And at the time, that's like when Photoshop didn't have layers, and when you <laughs> created uh, when you created pages, you would you know basically cut up images and, and put them in tables. So that's that was that was the style back then. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little bit old. Um, at least I feel I feel pretty old. i I'm, I'm 41. So and over the over the span of those 20 years, I I started learning Java. I did a lot of front end development. Uh, and then I moved into Ruby uh, in 2008, and uh, at that time, it was a competition between me and another guy to, to compare Ruby and Python. And you look at it nowadays, maybe he was right, but over the past 10 years, I think I was right, and still, I think I'm right. But Ruby, Ruby won our little competition, so I've, I've just been working with uh, Ruby and Rails uh, ever since 2008, so now, yeah, it's uh, on my 11th year now. Currently, what I'm working on is a project called CodeFund, and CodeFund is a ethical advertising platform that is open source and built completely for projects and maintainers and developers who are trying to make the open source economy a better, uh, a more thriving and a better place. So, you know, all of us, we build our careers on top of open source. It's a statistic that uh, about 56% of all applications are built on open source, every commercial app out there. And so uh, it's something that has just become part of us as, you know, in a culture, part of us uh, for for our living. One of the biggest problems that we face is the uh, sustainability of open source because we see all these companies using open source, making lots of money. But the developers are actually maintaining those projects or maintaining the Dependencies of those projects, or the dependencies of the dependencies, they're just not getting paid. And then we see stuff happen where, like, somebody else takes over a maintainer and then injects code that will steal all of your Bitcoin. So the the problem that we're trying to solve is we're trying to help uh, open source developers generate a recurring passive income that will keep them motivated and excited to continue to maintain that project and work on additional projects. Um, the company's been around now for a year and a half. Uh, We're part of gitcoin.co, so g-i-t-coin.co, and Gitcoin is also another project that is, uh, it's basically a way to build a workforce around uh, cryptocurrency. So if you have cryptocurrency, you can essentially hire a workforce, or if you want to work for crypto, then you can go to Gitcoin, and right out of the gate, you can start making money. But it's all in an effort to help build and grow open source uh, and sustain open source. So sorry, I'm, I'm like, in pitch, elevate, elevator pitch mode right now, which kind of happens naturally. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, I, what I get to do is I get to work on an open source project that helps other open source developers. And I, and I absolutely love it.
0: Awesome. So real quick, uh, one thing that uh, I, I want to call out. I mean, I love I love the movement and I love what you're doing. But, but most recently, you did a big relaunch, right? And that opened yeah. up some things for people there.
2: Yeah. So we... So last year, uh, I when I came on with Gitcoin, it, originally it was called Code Sponsor. And Code Sponsor had issues where uh, it was built primarily on top of GitHub. And we would place uh, ethical ads right within GitHub. Uh, and uh, GitHub eventually said, You're, you, know, you can't be on here anymore, which, which really crushed me. I mean, there's a I like most of us, suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, I, I tend to uh, have a lot of struggles with that, especially lately. But it kind of put me into a funk when that happened, and this is in December of 2017. So I talked to Kevin, who's the creator of Gitcoin, and I just decided to go work for him. And so I went to work for him, and immediately we're like, well, can we bring this back? And so we did, we brought it back. With the help of Rollbar, who was tremendous, we were able to fund the first four months in 2018 and get everything back in gear but at the time i thought well you know you know what the right tool is i'm going to do it right this time i'm going to build it with the right tool which is of course elixir because everybody knows that elixir is the scalable platform and how stupid do you have to be to create uh, an ad platform in ruby right so uh, we did elixir and and uh, i hired a guy and we built it and at the end of the day it it really was subpar and it it didn't work very well at all and i didn't understand enough of it to to be able to uh make an impact and it, it really was a sinking ship so in October we hired Nate who's on the show and uh, we decided that we're going to completely get rid of um, Elixir altogether so between October and December we rewrote the whole platform in, uh, in Ruby uh, you know the critics be damned right and so and we did and so far it's been running for a couple of months now And it is running better and faster, you know, by almost 10 times uh, the speed in Ruby on Rails. And it's completely open source. You can find it at github.com slash gitcoinco slash code underscore fund underscore ads. We can link that in the show notes, but... Yeah, it's pretty fun to see that and like, wow, this is, uh, you know, it's generating, you know, eight, 10 million impressions, ad impressions a month. It's doing some serious reporting. It uses caching extensively. We use, we have creative uses of Sidekick and Redis, and it's a pretty beautiful piece of uh, code, if if you ask me. But most of that's credit to Nate, because Nate is one hell of a developer.
0: Yeah, Nate was my mentor at my first coding (laughs) job, so I I can attest to that. Um, Yeah. Very cool. Dave, where are you at these days? Oh,
1: geez. Where am I not really? So I guess to start off, I've been at the same employer for almost 10 years now. So I was originally with Paychoice Software, and then that was acquired by Sage. So I stayed on board. And it just went public that our division is getting sold to another company. So I'll no longer be at Sage soon, but at a new employer. And so I'll be hitting my 10 year anniversary with them. So a lot of unknowns right now, just as we make that transition. And it might be a good time to part ways entirely. So I'm not sure. I will be looking for. Uh, new opportunities and seeing what's out there. So that's in the more immediate what's going on. Over the past almost 40 years now, I've been running Drift and Ruby, which is a online screencast and tutorial site for the Ruby language and mainly focused on Rails. So I can't believe I'm going to be hitting 200 episodes this year. I'm at about 170 right now. Wow. and Yeah, so it's been... Uh, definitely a commitment. It started off as a slow, bumpy road where I would do three episodes a week and then I would take a three-month hiatus, then come back. But for the past four years, uh, maybe three years, I've been doing one faithfully every single week. So that's been a time commitment along with my normal job. So when I'm not developing, which is probably about you know, 40-plus hours a week for my employer, but then also 20 hours in R&D and uh, stuff for Drift and Ruby. You know, so that takes up most of my waking hours. You know, I'm just spending time with the kids and family. So three kids, five, four, wait, five, four, and two. And my youngest daughter, Ruby, uh, we named after the Ruby language. So I think that's really what I have going on.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and yeah, milestones. I I just love the you know the two hundred episodes and the. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine ten years at a company. I don't know what that looks like, but. uh. Well, and I've been on here
1: for what since uh, late twenty sixteen, so two years. Once I find something I like, I really don't like change. I'm very kind of OCD in that fashion, but at the same time, I recognize that a lot of people who do get. In a position where they've been there at a certain employer for such a long time, they almost become stale in their skills. And I think that doing the Drift and Ruby has helped me keep on the cutting edge and the latest and greatest and keep up to date with technology in general. So even though I've stayed employed at the same company for so long now, it's something where I don't feel like I have reached my limits or that I have reached any kind of learning capacity that I'm still always growing and learning new things and taking a lot from what I've discovered in Drift and Ruby and apply that into my
0: day-to-day work. Yeah, I think that's an important lesson. And I think also, you know, you know, we've we heard from Eric and from you, um, you know, everybody kind of has their niche, right? Where there's something that they care about. So for you, it's it's sort of the education end of things. With Eric, it's the sustainability end of things. and And all of these things are what make the community so vibrant. And that's why I like having the different Panelists that we've had over the years on is because we get all of these different perspectives from people who really deeply care about different things.
1: And I would say the hardest part, if I can be humble for a moment, is that I'm a college dropout. You know, I went to Iowa State, I uh, did good there for a few years, and then I just couldn't take going to the classroom, sitting down, attending lectures and stuff. And so I stopped doing that. Well, when you stop doing that, just a heads up to everyone your grades will start declining also to a point where they don't want you there anymore. So I dropped out of college and that has been a great, not a hindrance on my career, but a hindrance on myself with my own self-worth. And so I don't have any issues with anxiety or depression, but I do have sometimes self-worth issues. And a lot of times, uh, and one blog article that really spoke to me about it was David Walsh's imposter syndrome. And I think that that's where I fall sometimes because, you know, a lot of times I'll come back to, uh, not so much anymore, but, you know, for a few years I'll come back to, you know, am I really the right person who is supposed to be doing this? You know, should I be at this position at this company? Should I be doing the screencast? You know, who am I to be qualified to educate others when I myself had dropped out of the higher education? So it's something where, I had to come to terms with myself to say that you know I am worth it. I am able to do this. I am providing value to my employer, to myself, my family, as well as to others who uh, subscribe or watch the screencasts.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that's that's tricky, and we've talked about a bit on the show. We should probably do another show on imposter syndrome.
1: I can be your guest on that.
0: I'm pretty. Go. I'm a pro with that. Well, I think we all encounter it to some degree. Uh, Andrew,
3: do you want to fill us in on who you are and where you're where you're coming from? Sure. So, we were talking before this episode started that all of you guys are pretty much old enough to be my dad. I am fresh out old. of college. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you're old, but I'm young too. So, there's a nice little <laughs> balance there. Fresh out of college, graduated in May. I am working full-time at a shop at a rail shop. And I really just started getting to the firm understanding of Ruby and Rails because I learned, started learning Rails, I guess, in the beginning of this year or last year, so 2018, I started learning Rails. And I was hired in May. Um, at the time, I was interning at the same company I'm working now, so that's why I was started to learn Rails in the first place. Uh, graduated with computer science degree. I've been working here ever since, and I love it. I've done... A variety of languages, I guess. I've played with them. I've played with Elixir. I've know VBA. I know some JavaScript. I have messed with Java, Python, a little C++. I've done some Node.js work and just a bunch of small things, not really deep learning. I don't think it was till I got out of college that I was able to really, truly focus on Ruby and Rails and learn to love the language and love what I was doing. And it's kind of funny because I didn't, I didn't learn, I think I've mentioned this before, I didn't learn Rails in college. Uh, I didn't, I specifically just took uh, free online courses. I took some Udemy courses. Uh, I watched a bunch of Dave's uh, Drifting Ruby courses. Um, still watched some Rails guys. Yep. Uh, watched some, there's another guy on YouTube called, that does Go Rails, Chris Oliver, uh, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts things like that. And that's really how I learned. And that's how I found this podcast. A mentor at work mentioned that if I enjoyed podcasts, which I was on a big podcast binge back then, uh, that I should check this one out, which is I became a devout listener every week. I went back and I think I've listened to almost every episode at this point, just trying to soak up the knowledge and stuff that people have been offering on this show for years. And that's, I really, I haven't done anything in the community Really, since I'm so fresh out of college, I just started getting some open source stuff. I'm working with a buddy on a changelog gem. I've messed around with creating like small little gems in the past. And I'm also currently writing a RailsConf CFP. I'm about done, I believe. So I've always been very forward. If you haven't gotten that yet, I like I like to think of myself as a go-getter, love new experiences, love getting more involved with the Ruby community. And it's really, I mean, we say it all the time, but it's really a language that you can truly find your developer happy spot, I believe. And I found mine at least for now. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at.
0: Nice. And, and again, you know, it's, it's a different voice, you know, your experience is different from ours. You're newer to the community. Um, You're a newer professional and yeah, it, it kind of creates this, this different feeling on the show. And, um, on JavaScript Jabber, we kind of lucked into it. And on this show, too, to a certain degree, um, when we had Saran on the show, she she was kind of this voice uh, for new programmers because she had just graduated from the boot camp, you know, and she was doing interesting things. And, uh, you know, on JavaScript Jabber, when we had Amy Knight, um, you know, join the panel, same kind of thing, right? It was, hey, and you know, I'm kind of new. And what does this mean? Or hey, we've been doing things a little bit different here and, you know, kind of have the voice of experience blend with the voice of, you know, somebody who's still learning. So.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the big motivators for me reaching out to you to join this podcast was just to get exposure to guys like you and Dave and Eric, who've been coding in Ruby for all these years, who have this wisdom. And because I know I have a very, very long way to go. And I'm Pretty sure that the best way to get there is to surround myself with people who know way more than me. So, and learn to ask the right questions. Yep. Well, we've been doing this show for almost eight years. And I've been
0: professionally doing Ruby on Rails for what, maybe uh, 10 to 12 years? I don't remember exactly. I think I got in in like 06. But uh, I didn't, I don't think I got my first uh, real programming job where I was paid to write code all day until. Oh, 08, and you know we started this show in a in uh, 2011, and I leveled up a ton just talking to those guys. You know, talking to Avdi and Josh and James and David, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a different kind of thing, you know. And then we we brought uh, Katrina in, and you know she started talking about some of these learning and growing and, and things like that. So yeah, it it makes sense where you're coming from on a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'll I'll fill people in on where I'm at at this point so uh, currently I'm working on a couple of different things Uh, the primary focus for me at this point is just making sure that the shows can continue to go out Um, and what that basically means is is that I do a lot of I spend a lot of time talking to sponsors and you know making sure that they're taking care of and things like that that's something I haven't always done well at um, but it's something that You know, I've I've become really focused on and making sure that 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 happens, but also making sure that the sponsors line up with what people need, right? I'm I'm not just taking sponsors from anywhere. The other thing that I've been spending a lot of time on is just uh, building systems around the podcasts, especially since we now have 14 shows on the network. Um, I've been talking to David Richards actually about starting another show. I'm going to start taking on uh, the production for a few shows that aren't Dev Chat shows that are. I'm going to be podcasts about programming in one way or another. And so I've got a few things going on there. And so it's really just a matter of building that out, making sure that everything runs smoothly and that that everybody knows what they're supposed to do, right? So it's getting all the people in the right seats and then making it easy uh, for everybody. And similarly with the hosts, right? Making sure that it's easy for all of you to show up. And if, you know, if if I'm not here that somebody else can run the show or, you know, things like that. So just making all of that work, making sure that our production is you know far enough ahead to where uh, the shows go out on time and things like that. So I've been spending a lot more time on that. I've been working on, I actually hired a developer, which is funny to me because I am a developer, but I hired somebody to do the programming because I have to do all the other things. I think Eric can identify with that some. Very, very much. So he's working on my podcast production system you know, and so we're getting, he he's not full time. So we're getting a few features in every week. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I've been focused more on just running the business and things like that, making sure that everything uh, goes out. Okay. But this last year, just to give people an idea, this last year was kind of the first year where things really kind of clicked into place financially. I moved into doing the podcast full time about three years ago. And before that I was freelancing and, you know, freelancing it, its pretty straightforward, you know, how everything you know comes together there but yeah so this is the first year where things have really kind of clicked together financially and i feel like you know we can move forward and start taking some of the the input that we get from our listeners the input we get from our hosts and the input we get from our sponsors be that money ideas time etc and pull that together so that we can start creating other content that will give people more options for what they want to learn. Because a lot of people are in and they you know they like Ruby and so they listen to Ruby Rogues or they do it professionally and they listen to Ruby Rogues. But then we also have another contingent of people who are looking at what's coming next. And so they're looking at IoT or they're looking at uh, AR and VR or they're looking at artificial intelligence or they're looking at you know some of the other web technologies and maybe pick up uh, JavaScript Jabber or Views on View or React Roundup or Adventures in Angular or something like that. And so just making sure that the content's out there because I want people to be able to find the content they need. And sometimes it's out there, but it's hard to find. And sometimes people just don't know where to go. And so I want devchat.tv to be the place where people can go and say, oh, okay, I can find the information I need. Now, they may listen to an episode, get somewhat of an introduction, and then pick up some resources that were recommended in the episode. That's fine. Or they may come and listen and get everything they need out of the episode. That's also fine. So just figuring that out and finding the right balance and then also covering the topics that people need to really get what they need. That that's what I've been trying to build. And so that's that's been a lot of the focus here and just opening opening up the possibilities for people to go out and have a great life. So if they want to be a programmer nine to five and then go surf, <laughs> you know, if that's a great life for you, great. If you know if you want to go out and you want to build software that makes a difference somewhere, you know, like Eric was talking about, great. You know, let's let's give you the content so you can go do that. If you're if you're looking at staying current and things like that then again, you know, let's make sure that we have that stuff out there for you so that you can kind of build things out for you the way that you want. And uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's been my, kind of my focus lately. And a lot of this has kind of gelled and solidified over the, over the last six months. But I, I really, it's really gotten me fired up to just make this all happen so that I can put content out that just really knocks it out of the park for people. So anyway, one other thing I like to ask on the show is what's been your favorite episode to be on? were to record i know andrew you you've been around for a handful so you know that this is a pretty short list but you know eric and dave have been around for a while my favorite episode and i've i've actually thought about this constantly
2: since last week but my, literally my favorite episode was last week with manny i i felt what i learned and kind of the takeaways from that maybe it was just the timing in my life that i think that was one of my favorite podcasts the other one of course i believe was when we interviewed dhh that guy's an interesting dude, very opinionated. But you know, when you, when, you're, when you built your own career, your whole career on top of something that came out of another person's head, and you finally talk to them and, and kind of understand them a little bit, it's, it's a surreal experience. So I think those are my two favorite ones.
0: Nice. What about you, Dave?
1: So some of my favorite ones have been the meta ones that we've done. So I'll just list, list off some numbers. Episode 312, 324, 339, 341, and 382. So the 312 was how to handle WTFs. And I thought that one was a lot of fun where we just talked about the, what the heck do you do when something goes wrong? Like, you know, fires are all around you and what do you do? And, you know, really fun situations. And then 324 was the, developer horror stories where we just kind of humbled ourselves and admitted some of the shenanigans and bad things that we had done and just how that ended up blowing up in our faces. That was a fun one. And then 339 was a typical day of a developer where we just kind of walked through, you know, from getting up to going to sleep, what we did each day and, you know, just seeing the repetition there. Then uh, 341, I think, was another one for standards versus realities. And then finally, 382 When do you build when to buy with the panelists? So those were my favorite ones, just where it was just, I love interviewing a lot of guests and stuff. I think they provide a lot of valuable uh, content. But I think my most favorite ones, where it's just us talking and just, um, you know, being candid with what we're going through. Usually it's the topic is based off of something that one of us is currently going through.
0: Yeah. It, and it's always interesting to kind of feel out where everybody's come from on a lot of that stuff. So,
3: yep. Andrew, what, are you, what about you? So my favorite one to be on so far is definitely the episode with Paul Smith when we talked about Lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was definitely a lot of fun. And Paul's a great guy. It was fun to talk with him. But one that I haven't been on that I would say is my favorite episode uh, is Ruby Rogues 142, where you all talked about uh, mental illness uh, with, let me think, Greg, I, there's, yep. yeah, I was going to say, there's no I can pronounce that last name, but that was, uh, definitely one of my favorite ones to listen to. I think it has a, like a big message and I think, I don't know, I, I, I love it a lot, but a little bit in contrast to what Dave said, I like the more technical ones. Um, the ones that I, I also, because I was in a state where I was trying to learn. So being, hearing like the technical talk and bringing up gems and bringing up, um, ways to do things and talking about Sandy Metz's rules and things like that. Those are the ones that I've always gotten the most out of just because I'm in that state of learning and looking for resources and things like that. Yep. Makes sense. Um, the, the ones that I
0: enjoy, it's funny because, um, I, I kind of take a blend of all of what you all talk about. So, um, some of my favorite ones become my favorite ones after the fact, I think, is you know kind of the more interesting angle on this that that I'll bring in, and that is is that we'll do an episode, and then somebody will come talk to me and tell me why it made a difference, and and that that is where the you know the, the killer feature is on any of these ep- episodes. So you know, Andrew mentioned the the mental illness one. Um, a lot of people also came and talked to me about the imposter syndrome one that we did quite a long time ago. A lot of people have loved and continue to love the learning episode that we did with Katrina Owen. And I'll I'll find links to these, or I'll make somebody else find links to these. Put them in the show notes. But um, you know, those are the ones that kind of stand out as as the ones that people come to me over and over again and say, "Hey, this really made a difference." You know, this really helped. This this helped me. Uh, you know, know kind of where I fit in. Um, I got some feedback from my sister actually. Um, she lives little a uh, little over a mile from me. She was talking to somebody at a I think it was a baseball game. And, uh, it was one of her neighbors and, you know, they happened to listen to the shows, well, you know, the shows here. And so he heard me talking about some of my experiences, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a freelancer. And he had been thinking about going out and starting his own thing and realized that he was too risk averse to go after some of the, you know, because I had struggled financially off and on, uh, through my journey. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting also just to see how, the stories that Dave tells about his experience and the stories that Eric tells about his experience influence people and help them realize, you know what, maybe that's not a great fit for me. Or for other people, it's, you know what, uh, I, I think I'm going to go for it. And, and I've heard both. So I I love kind of the personal aspects of this and and the friendships that have been built over the years through this. The other angle on things is for technical ones, I like the ones that I feel like I'm learning like the deep secrets of things. And so um, I think we did one on performance with uh, Nate Berkopek. You know, just so, some of these other things, uh, you know, where we, we dive in. I think we did another performance one with uh, Noah Gibbs. Gibbs. Gibbs, you know, yeah. And so just things like that where I'm kind of learning the deep secrets. And then the other ones where it's, this is a problem that everybody has, you know, and those are the ones that, that Dave kind of talked about a bit, you know, where it's, hey, look, everybody deals with this. Here are some ideas for how to deal with it. And that, that, uh, the one that we did last week with Manny, you know, about productivity is the same kind of thing, right? It's like, it's like, look, I struggle with this a lot. And hey, here are all these things that I can go try. And some of them are going to work for me and some of them won't. But dang it, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be better off. And so I, I get excited about a lot of those. It's hard to pick out the favorites. Talking to DHH is always fun too, mainly just because I get the opportunity to challenge the way I think. Against the way he thinks, and he's he thinks through these things, and you know you get this with some of these other folks that are a little less well known. But then it's like, okay, well they've thought that through, and we've come to a different conclusion. And so forcing my brain to go to their place and say, okay, why are they making this decision? What's different? And and just getting you know getting my head around that is also a lot of fun. So
2: you remember the episode way 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 back when when you had. Uh, DHH and Yehuda Yehuda Katz. I think that was it. Or maybe it was Yehuda Katz and, man, I can't remember. I think it was DHH and Yehuda Katz. I just remember that being a very impactful one. But that must have been four or five years ago.
0: I think you're thinking about, if I can find it, um, episode, I think it was like four of JavaScript Jabber. Oh, yeah um we we had jeremy ashkenes come on that's what about backbone yes 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 and yehuda was one of the original panelists on javascript jabber and so and he'd been working on ember and so it started out us talking about backbone and what backbone was and it ended up with the two of them um debating specific points between backbone and ember
2: got it all right not on this show but still great show
0: yep so I'll put a link to that one in the show notes too. But but yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing, right? Where it's, okay, I've got to go listen to this again and then consider the points that they're both making because they're both valid, right? Backbone was a great system. Ember was a great system. They were just trying to do different things. So what do I care about? Yeah. So Dave, you had a question that you put in the Discord chat. Did you want to ask that one?
1: Yeah, sure. So it was really just what do you do when you are not developing specifically? And the reason why I phrase it that way is because typically my hobby is developing. So I do it for work and then I enjoy doing it on the side. So when I'm not developing, having three children, you know, obviously that soaks up most of my time and attention. I was up at four AM this morning because my youngest woke up, then she came crawled into our bed. A few minutes later the four year old woke up. And then a few minutes later, the five-year-old woke up. So unfortunately, my alarm clock is my kids. They don't let me sleep in, (laughs) especially on Christmas morning.
0: I'm laughing because I completely understand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and something Andrew will understand here soon, I'm sure. Oh, man. (laughs) So uh, when I'm not, you know, family aside, development aside, I think I really enjoy doing woodworking. Or, or, you know, really just playing with power tools and stuff, you know, shooting the nail gun and stuff. So that's one thing that I wouldn't say I've really had a lot of time to it, for it to be a passion, but it's something I enjoy doing.
0: Nice. What do you do, Eric, to unwind?
1: My
2: favorite thing to do is play Minecraft. And not this silly Minecraft where you have a controller and you have to, like, move your thumbs back and forth. No, we're talking old school java-based minecraft where you can uh, essentially go and create worlds now this is kind of a recent passion of mine because and now i'm paying for realms which allows me to play with my kids and everything we even have a minecraft station set up here in my office but the the thing i love about minecraft and it's the same type of thing that you the same type of uh, a dopamine hit that you get when you when you build a really cool when you ship code or maybe when you're building with legos it's like you can build stuff very rapidly and feel that satisfaction of building. But once you start understanding the Minecraft game and the mechanics of it and how to basically game the game, you can create some insanely cool stuff. Like, for example, you can create engines and you can create um, automated farms and automated shipping containers. And like, there's all this stuff that you can build with it, uh, which is so much fun for me to to do. Um, and so I'm, I'm now kind of a junkie when it comes to that. Uh, however, you know, it's, I don't get a lot of time to do it, but when I do, that's, that's usually where I go to if I want some me time,
1: you know, when I first started playing Minecraft, I haven't touched it in several years, but, uh, in the explore worldview where you can just get all the resources right there, I would dig down as far as I could until I hit the lava caverns and stuff. And I would just load up the entire cavern with TNT and make a whole block all the way back up to the surface and just slide it. Like, I thought that's all you could do in my crash, just blow stuff up. It was a lot that, of fun.
2: Yeah. So when you when you watch these videos online, there's a lot of tutorials and training. But a lot of these tutorials are, like, done by, you know, middle-aged men. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I, I'm not the only crazy guy. You know, there used to be an ad for Yahoo groups. <laughs> there used to be an ad for Yahoo groups, like, printed in a newspaper, either a newspaper or a magazine or something. But, it, I mean, this is way back in the late 90s, right? There's this great big ad that had um, this guy with this goofy mask on with tubes coming out. And he just looked like the biggest nerd ever, right? It was just the craziest thing. And it said that uh, one person equals insane. Two people equals awesome Yahoo group or something like that. <laughs> it's like all, all, now you have your community of weird people wearing weird stuff. So I think that's the same thing. I, I felt like I found my my tribe when I hopped on and saw, oh, okay, there are other people who have the same interests as I do. Um, sorry, that's my daughter. Yeah, if anybody is interested in playing, reach out to me. I, I love to create worlds and build, and uh, but I only play. Um, I only play like in the mode where you could die. If if you don't do that,
0: then you're cheating. <laughs> nice. Agreed. <laughs> I've been wanting to get into that with my 13 year old for a while, so I, I might have to take you up on that, Eric, and.
2: Please do. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Get involved. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? What's your Uh, escapism? Kind of like Dave, I program for work and I program in my free time. So I've been trying to work on that a little bit more um, as of recent to try to get that work-life balance a little more in tune. I play video games occasionally. Um, I used to play a ton of Minecraft. Totally was a Minecraft addict in high school but I haven't picked it up in a while in the summer. I mean, I live at the beach. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I bought a surfboard. I plan to learn how to surf. I like to exercise, go outside. Yeah. Recently during this, uh, during the winter, I have been programming a lot in my free time and I also love playing with graphic design, messing with Photoshop. I love Photoshop. I think it's so fun because I always wanted to be artistic. But I could never get the thing that was in my head out of my hand without it looking like terrible chicken scratch from hell. I don't even know. It just does not come out of my hand cleanly. But doing online art or digital art, I've always found fun. Um, I like making logos and doing vector art. I have never gotten into video editing or anything like that, it's a little bit too tedious for me, but I do love messing with Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator. Nice. Yeah. I feel like, uh, in a lot of ways, my hobbies are basically
0: just running the podcast network. Um, I, you know, if, if you run your own business, I think, I think Eric again, probably identifies a little bit with that. You know, it's just like, yeah, all I do is work. All I do is work on this thing. The, the, the flip side of that is, is generally what I tend to do. A, I'll listen to audiobooks. And I tend to kind of switch around between like books on health, uh, books on business, and fiction. And fiction's my escape. Fiction's totally my escape. I also write fiction that nobody has ever seen, and uh, I'm I'm trying to get past the imposter syndrome. We talked about that a little earlier, um, but that's also a really great way for me to just decompress because I can essentially create whatever I want to create, and it's almost like this brain puzzle for me to try and figure out you know, okay, uh, this doesn't quite go together right. So what mechanics in the world that I'm building do I need to change, tweak, or, you know, understand better? And, uh, you know, it's a lot like coding, but it's not coding. But yeah, that's a lot of what I do. I also just like fiddling with tech. And so I'll get gizmos or um, I'll go find some technology that I want to learn, but don't really want to, like, break my brain against. And I'll just set it up and Kind of poke it for a while. And yeah, you know we've talked about kids and family and stuff like that. Um, I have five kids. Uh, My oldest is 13 and my youngest is three. And uh, so we do a lot of stuff together too. Um, Board games is a huge thing for me too. Um, I have a group of guys that all live within like two blocks of me. There are like eight of us. And we get together every month and play games. My wife and I have uh, another couple that we get together with every week and play games. And so board games is also an escape for me. So yeah, lots of stuff like that.
1: Currently, the board games that are a huge hit in our house is Hungry Hungry Hippo and Operation.
0: I think we own both of those, but I don't think they've been pulled out for a while. When my nephew comes over, he likes to pull out Hungry Hungry Hippo. But My my older kids, so my two oldest are uh, almost 12 and 13. Then we also have a nine-year-old. She's almost 10. And so we can play some of the... Semi adultish level games with them. So the ones that we went through with them lately are uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts battles, and we <laughs> bought the Monster Box of Monsters expansion. What else have we played? A bunch of um, my mother in law bought a game where you you get a category and then you try and name things that start with the different letters of the alphabet. And when you get one, you tap it on the on the little machine, and it turns the light off. And when you get all the letters, you win. And they've been enjoying that. A lot of times we just play card games. So, you know, um, just different types of rummies or, you know, things like that. So, and that's a lot of fun, but yeah.
1: I can't wait till my kids are old enough to play Sellers of Catan with me.
0: Oh, there you go. My kids are a little bit, I think my 13-year-old would get it. My almost 12-year-old would probably, like, not get all of the deeper strategies with that, but could probably play it. And the other kids would definitely need help in order to get anywhere close to winning. Yeah. But definitely a ton of fun there. And we spend a ton of time playing board games or playing Mario Party on the Switch. Oh, nice. Yeah, we don't have a
1: single gaming console in our house yet. Uh, I mean, our kids are just not old enough and we only have one TV. So we try to limit their screen time and technology, Mm -hmm. but... I do enjoy letting them come on to one of my spare computers and they go to the website Mm abcya.com and it's for fifth graders down to pre-k and it's just a bunch of stupid little games. Make sure you have an ad blocker and stuff on there and it only works on Windows if you want like Windows, Chrome or whatever to get all the games. Otherwise, you have to subscribe.
0: So it's weird. Sounds interesting because I definitely have kids at that age too, so.
1: And
2: how old are your kids, Eric? So I've got a, a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 2-year-old. Okay. A boy, girl, and girl. Yep. They are a handful. So I could probably point to every gray hair on my beard and say, that one came from this day from this child. <laughs> the from this day from this child. And, and the balding spot on the back of my head is basically all of them together combined. And yeah,
1: have kids, they say.
2: Life will get better, they say.
1: Hmm. Well, I tell you what, man. Uh, kids really. Uh, my wife and I, we were at a really bad place a long time ago when we were uh, just a couple years into our marriage, and it was because I was the complete opposite of how she is. So we often butted heads a lot, and it wasn't until you know things got so bad that we were thinking about separating that uh, she got pregnant with our first daughter. And it really just kind of knocks some sense into us to get our act together, to fight as one on the same team. And, you know, ever since then, our marriage had progressively got better and better. But the moral of the story is if you're having marital problems, have a kid. It solves everything.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So This, is,
2: this is not good that. advice. Yes. <laughs> I
3: not going to stay away from that advice.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna back out the solves and put in changes. As <laughs> yeah. a kid, it changes everything. And you oh, know, yeah. it, I think in some cases for the better, or in other cases, you know, maybe not so much. We haven't like had deep struggles in our marriage, but you know, kids is definitely probably the area where we don't see eye to eye all the time the most. You know, just in the way that we handle our kids. But the flip side, and this is, it's, it's so funny because we talk about this stuff all the time for developers, but it's so true in life too. When we communicate and we make sure that that's working for us, um, it makes a lot of that a lot easier. Yeah, And it's the same thing in, in development teams and with your boss and things like that. A, a lot of communication will go a long way. You know, Not with everybody, not every relationship works that way, but I find with the majority, that that's definitely a, a truth. And uh, I wouldn't doubt at all that you know, Dave. Your example there, you know, it, it forced you both to kind of get on the same page as far as where you wanted to end up, and it forced some of that communication so that you were talking about the things that you weren't talking about before. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, anything else we should dive into here? You want to know about the the olden days of the show, or that that you've particularly liked that you wanted to bring up that since since you've been on the show or anything like that?
2: What's uh What's your end game, Chuck? With with all of this stuff, like what's your goal with all of your podcasts that you're building? Like, Why are you, why are you doing this and where is it going to go?
0: So it's, it's interesting. Um, if you'd asked me this a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I, I'm going to give a little bit of context and then I'll answer your question. So I struggled with a few things. You know, I didn't take good care of the sponsors. I didn't take good care of a lot of different things. And it was because I really didn't know why I was doing it. And so, you know, I just kind of coasted for a long time. Over the last maybe year, so I hired a, a business coach about a year ago, and uh, one of the things that he pushes is mission, vision, values, right? It's like, where are you headed? What do you want? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, what are the values that, that really matter to you that are going to get you there? And it took me a solid, I, I kind of have took it seriously until about August, September, and and there were some other things in there but i think one of the things that forced the most was that my dad passing away in april and it really forced me to think about okay cuz you know I, I before then i had just kind of assumed that life would just continue to go on i think for generally that's true but i didn't want to just coast through life right i didn't want to wind up oh okay so i'm just going to keep doing this cuz it's working right and and there there's some of that that i think is healthy but I wasn't heading where I wanted to head. I I was not heading to a healthy place at all, you know, uh, a healthy place in the sense that it would it would be fulfilling and it would accomplish the things that I really want to accomplish and things like that. And so it really forced me to think about it. And a lot of the things that came out of that basically boiled down to a couple of things. So I, I have a few people that have talked to me about you know possibly selling or acquiring devchat.tv. and. For the most part, I'm not interested in that at all. And and the reason is, is because I'm not in it for some kind of financial exit. I'm not in it for, uh, you know, I'm not in it to get rich. I really just want to make a difference. And, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I realized that what I really want is I want people to be able to come to devchat.tv and get what they need from it. And and that sounds a little bit vague, but really what it is, at least for me in, in my life, is freedom and that's what i really care about is just you know being able to go and do the things that i really really want to do that are going to fulfill me that are going to get me to a place in life that i want to be at and so some of those are probably not super relevant to podcasting or anything like that for example one of the things i realized i've i've been looking and spending a bit of time um looking into uh, some of the issues around human trafficking and i want to make a difference there and so i feel like you know, I'm not going to do a podcast on it because I'm not an expert on it, but I definitely want to be able to you know, contribute significant sums of money to those causes. So that's one of the things that kind of gets me going. So uh, uh, at that angle, I guess dev chat and money. But the other thing is, is that again, you know, I, I really want it to be a place where people can come and get the information they need so that they can go and create the career that they want uh, and create the life that they want. That's the end game. Right. And and that's something that I'm going to probably aspire to for the rest of my career. But in order to do that, you know, I, there are a few more shows I need to start. And I've, I've talked about some of that. You know, I'm probably going to start some shows on some other languages or ecosystems out there that people are into. So maybe we get a Python podcast, to you know, kind of, you know, because we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the systems for AI that are built on Python. And so the AI podcast will reference the Python podcast and vice versa. But I also want to create other resources for people that will lead them, you know, down the road we talk a lot about technology and a lot of the shows that I've talked about and have started are around different aspects of technology. But I really want to hit the the career area hard. You know, I started the DevRev which is uh, I've been doing on Facebook and YouTube and you know, it's a video series that I've just been putting together. You know, my my health kind of tanked for a few weeks so I haven't put new shows out for a few weeks but you know, that's something that's really important to me as well, because it's, you know, it's people dealing with the people issues, people dealing with the I don't know where I'm headed issues and and things like that. And just to put something out there that is like, look, this is up to you. What do you want? This is up to you, go do it, right? It's, you know, that we, we hear a lot about privilege and when we're talking about the diversity areas and things like that, but ultimately the person who has the most control over where you end up is you, right? if your life isn't going the way you want, yeah, there are probably people out there that are influencing it, but ultimately it's up to you to make the difference. It's up to you to pull yourself out of the hole. And I get people that, that you know, there are people out there who've been through horrific stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know how to counsel those people, but for the most part, people are in a place where they, you know, if they really want it, they can go get it, you know? So just, just to encourage people and inspire people, and then give people, you know, some advice or some uh idea of where they can end up is is kind of where i'm looking. So, you know, i again, i kind of have this lofty out there uh vision of of what devchat could be and the ultimate mission is basically to do whatever i can to enable that. So, you know, I, it has to be financially stable obviously. I need to be able to hire the people that I need in order to get the things done that I need to get done to put the content out there to, that's going to help people. Um, we're probably going to wind up creating some courses and products and some free courses and free products and some paid and, you know, whatever. And I'm kind of figuring some of that, those ideas out at this point. But yeah, ultimately that that's where I'm headed. And that that's kind of the vision that I have. So I, I don't know if I directly answer your answered your question, but... I'm really focused at this point on getting all of the processes together so that we can instead of focusing on the nitty-gritty details of how it gets out there, we can focus on getting the stuff out there that people need and and hitting it there. So the, the yeah, I've kind of rambled a lot, but that that's the direction. That's that's the focus that I have now and really just nailing a lot of that down and making it clear that that's what people are getting and then finding ways to validate that that's what people are getting. That's what I'm working on at this point so that we can kind of reach that overall mission that I have for DevChat.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. And one thing that you said about if someone wants something that it's on them, You know, it's up to them to do it. And I think that's one of the most important life lessons that we can learn is to not have excuses like so-and-so can't do this for me or my government's not doing this for me that if you have that kind of mentality, then you are a victim to the world and life. But if you take ownership of everything, regardless of what it is in your life, and if you have the mentality that I am in charge of my own life, then you have the ability to make a change. Otherwise, the powers are out of your hand and nothing will change for
0: you. The other thing is, is I have no problem, you know, I can't do this for everybody, but I'll do it for as many people as I can. I'll reach a hand down and help them shortcut a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to reach out and take hold when I do it. And, you know, other people, they're going to miss that opportunity and they're going to have to do it on their own. And And maybe that's the right path for them. But yeah, it's critical, I think, in a lot of ways that, yeah, you take you take responsibility and then take control of where you're headed.
1: Yeah. And. Honestly, that was one of the bigger saving graces in our marriage with Sarah and I is that we stopped focusing on what the other person was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And we start focusing on what we were doing wrong as individuals. Like what crap was that bringing into our marriage that either wasn't biblical, wasn't offending to God, or, you know, that was offending to God that was hurting someone else and saw that there was a lot of stuff that I needed to change. And one of the courses that Sarah and I went through was called Reengage, and it really helped expose a lot of those uh, issues that I brought into our marriage, and also for her what she brought into the marriage. And we've now been leading for a year um, our own Reengage courses, helping other marriages and stuff.
0: Yeah, and and I find it interesting too. I mean you can get these principles out of the Bible. You can get these principles out of a lot of the self-help stuff that's out there. You can get a lot of these principles out of a lot of places. You know, a lot of people will tune out because it's not quite their speed where it's coming from, but I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And yeah, you know, that, that's the whole point is that if you're working on leveling up, you know, you're working on being that better person inspired by the Bible, inspired by something else that that's, what's going to make the change in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well I went that's deep. Probably not. Sorry about that. <laughs> and
2: that's probably not the other time to mention that I'm probably I'm I'm agnostic at best.
0: <laughs> so well, yeah, but but at the same time, right, you have some idea of where you wanna to, want to wind up in life, right? And you have Yeah, but any, it has
2: nothing to do with any religious beliefs whatsoever.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But even then, you know, you have the you have an idea of where you want to get in life and you you see some of your shortcomings, you know, personally. You know, I, I don't spend enough time with you to see see them as clearly as you do. But, right. you know, you, you go through that and at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I need to change this in myself. You know, I need to, you know, I need to work to inspire this change in my kids. Sure, sure. And and that that's the idea that I think we're really hitting, right, is that, again, your background uh, is actually some, somewhat similar to mine, but we've wound up in different places due to varying circumstances. And the reality right. is, is that ideas that bring success are the same for both of us.
2: Right. No, it you know it's interesting because there is a there's a recent podcast that was put out by um Henry Zhu and Nadia Eggball. Yeah. And uh it talks all about the uh the link between religious belief and open source. Uh very, very interesting. Um I think the podcast is called here, I'll I'll throw a link in here, but he starts off with a, a blog post saying living out in faith, but then he created this series called Hope in Source, and it's at hopeinsource.com. And in there, he talks all about the correlation between religious uh, religious foundation and open source foundation. It's very, very interesting to listen to. So I, I, I highly recommend it.
0: Yep. Yeah, when I interviewed him for my JavaScript story, we talked a bit about the show. And yeah, I love, I love those ideas, right? just Just the melding between what your beliefs are, and how that affects all the aspects of life. I mean, we we kind of pigeonhole ourselves for for these shows on technology because it's easy, but a lot of the principles of success there are the same for everything else. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume, you spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. Triplebyte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs. And this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash rogues. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in 8 bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triple byte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. All right. Well, uh, anything else we want to dive into or should we go ahead and start wrapping up and do picks? Picks. All right. Andrew, do you have some picks
3: for us? I sure do. I got two, actually. So the first one is something I stumbled on earlier. And I think it's really interesting. I'm sorry to read through some of the articles posted, but it's uh, a GitHub repo called Kubernetes Failure Stories. I have been playing with Docker and trying to teach myself a little bit about Kubernetes recently. So I think this is really interesting to read um, through. There's a bunch of uh, publications um, that have come out kind of recently about some Kubernetes failure stories, like uh, at Target was the one I read earlier. The other one I have is, I mentioned earlier that I work on a changelog gem, automated changelog gem, and it's called Release Notes. And I think you sh- should check that out and submit some issues if you have any problems with it. But it's, I think it's a super cool gem. And as changelogs are, I don't want to say becoming more popular, but they're becoming a little bit more standardized, I think, like with the work that Olivier Lacan has been doing. So yeah, check that out. Nice. Dave, what are your picks?
1: So my first pick is not the Apple Airport Extreme that's no longer in production and has died on me. So that's not my pick. Instead, I will pick (laughs) (laughs) the Netgear Orbi Mesh. It's a three-node system that I got from Costco on sale, and it has been really nice. It solved a lot of the connectivity issues I was having uh, that the airport extremes seem to have been causing, along with a faulty switch. So that's been a real big help for me this weekend. And then also, I'll go ahead and pick the uh, MarriageHelp dot org, uh, which is the group that does the Reengage program for marriages. And it's really for all walks of life, whether your marriage is really good or if it's hanging on by a thread. So uh, it's one that's really helped shape my marriage with Sarah and one that I can't recommend enough.
0: Awesome.
2: Eric, what are your picks? I have a couple of picks and I hope they don't conflict with our sponsor. Uh, And I apologize if it does. Um, Recently, I spoke with an amazing person named Tyler and Tyler's in charge of advertising with Rollbar. And Rollbar has been such a foundational piece of code fund since day one. You know, Mike Smith has been amazing. Who's now over at Git Prime. But Rollbar in itself and Tyler over there, fantastic people. They are truly committed to helping grow Open Source. So I'm very grateful for them. And the other thing I want to uh, share, which um, is something that we kind of talked about uh, earlier, you mentioned that you're interested in helping the um, the uh, stop trafficking. And uh, last year, when we shut down Code Fund, we took all of the extra money that we weren't able to make in distributions. Because the didn't hit the minimum requirement, and we took every penny from that, and we donated it all to the A21 Foundation. Uh, so their website is a21.org, and they're they're striving to fight abolish slavery, and also they are helping people reintegrate back into society after they uh, have been rescued. So it's a really neat foundation if you are looking to uh, support one that does. Uh, Human Trafficking Prevention, a21.org is really good. Awesome.
0: I just, as far as these causes go, I'm I'm really picky about the groups that I support because I want to make sure that the maximum amount of money is going to help folks. And so I I love getting recommendations from people who have looked into them and, uh, you know, do a lot of the work to make sure that the, the money goes the right place. So I have to give them a look the charity that i've been donating to is operation underground railroad that's ourrescue.org i think and um you know same kind of thing they focus on rescuing kids from uh sex slavery and trafficking which kind of really hits me where i live i mean um you know i i just can't imagine any kid you know or my kids going through something like that and but but yeah i mean this problem exists in the world and it's it's convenient to not Pay attention to it because we don't, we're not confronted with it every day. And so, yeah, I mean, I, there are a couple of other ones that I've heard recommended, and I can't think of it, what they are off the top of my head. But yeah, all of these different groups, go find out about them, find out what they do, find out what they're about, find out how they manage their funds. And, you know, if, you know, if a large majority, you know, 80, 90% of the money is going toward the people that need it, send them some. The other. Uh, picks that I have. I'm going to pick a board game because I mentioned that uh, my wife is a huge Disney fan. Um, I've become more of a Disney fan over the last what 14 years since we've been married. But yeah, we've been playing a game called Villainous. It, it's pretty fun. Um, basically, you're all you play. You all play villains from the Disney uh, cartoons, and what you're trying to do is circumvent fate and win your story. And so, um, it's a blend of, um, and there are other games like this, but essentially what you're doing is you're trying to reach your win condition before any of the other villains do. And so you can sabotage the other villains with fake cards. And so their, their heroes come into play or certain circumstances come into play that they have to deal with, you know, as you, uh, play the fake cards on them and vice versa. And then you wind up having to defeat heroes and, Anyway, it, it, it's it been pretty fun. So uh, I, I'm going to pick that as well. And yeah, to your other point, Eric, I don't censor for sponsors. So if you like a product and we're sponsored by a competitor, more power to them. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, anyway, um, if there's nothing else, we'll go ahead and wrap up. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for being panelists. I know we didn't, weren't able to get all of our panelists on, and usually we try and get past panelists on, but there was kind of short notice on this one. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the work that our hosts and past hosts have put in. I mean, they show up every week. A lot of times, um, you know, they enjoy talking, you know, about this stuff, but it's it's still an hour or so out of everybody's week every week. And so I just want to make sure that you all know that I appreciate the time you put in. Yeah. Yep. Well, Definitely here. Yeah. All right, folks, we'll wrap this one up, and we will be back next week with 4.01. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.